Welcome to the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. I'm here to welcome you into the world of orgasmic living by hosting experts to discuss orgasmic topics such as nutrition, spirituality, personal development, sexuality, and much more. Here, we will offer lifestyle lessons that can help you lead a fulfilling, joyous, and orgasmic lifestyle. I'm your guide, Venus O'Hara. Welcome to the 18th episode of the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara. In this Worm Moon episode, I'll be discussing cunnilingus, dating famous people, and leadership. And I'll be sharing one of my very own erotic stories with you called Fuck Me, I'm Famous. Then I'll be discussing the book I'm reading now, which is Lead the Field by Earl Nightingale. And finally, we'll be experiencing a guided meditation with affirmations for genital acceptance for vulvas. But first, let's talk about my own journey with cunnilinguistics and dating famous people, although not necessarily in that order. The topic of today's podcast is cunnilinguistics, the joy of oral sex and dating famous people. Believe it or not, those topics are quite related to me, for me. I was always a bit shy about cunnilingus when I was growing up. I first experienced cunnilingus when I was maybe 16, just after losing my virginity. And I I kind of, um, for me at first, it was more about ticking a box on this kind of list of sexual pursuits that I wanted to carry out and experience, but definitely wasn't about orgasms. I was able to have orgasms through vaginal stimulation, and that's what really made me crazy. But cunnilingus was, was okay, but obviously it takes time to, um, well, to learn what to do. And if you don't really know what you like, then it's hard to guide someone. Um, but I did kind of have some incredible boyfriends who almost enjoyed it more than I did, which is just absolutely fantastic. It's such a great sensation when to be with a partner who, who is genuinely into it. They're not, they're not just going to give you a couple of half-hearted licks to kind of get some penetration later on. So for me, I did enjoy that process, but then when I got very excited or very horny, I kind of like made them stop, kiss me because I love the taste of myself, which it might sound disgusting for some people, but I absolutely loved it. And then I wanted penetration straight away. So I never really kind of like let go and just carried on with that that joyful sensation for much longer. It made me kind of impatient, really. I remember watching an episode of Sex and the City many years ago with Miranda when she was receiving some cunnilingus and the guy kissed her after and she thought it was disgusting. And she shared that anecdote with the with the other other friends in her foursome. And um, I'm not sure, can't remember what Samantha said. It might be worth revisiting. I'm sure Samantha would have come out with something fun from that scenario. But for me, it's something that really excites me and it makes me appreciate my own taste, the pheromones on my vulva and especially the the Venusian nectar, as I call it, because obviously a vulva can change its aroma according to many things, according to the menstrual cycle, if you've got your period or not, if you've washed. But I think the best smell is definitely when you're aroused. I think, I think it's really 
fascinating. And um, there's a thing called vabbing, which is when you use your sexual fluids to kind of dab it around your neck or anywhere else you would put perfume. Because at the end of the day, it is a powerful pheromone and it's designed to attract your mates. I've always been very attracted to guys who are orally generous and to appreciate this, this unique, musky, sweet smell. But even though I appreciated their appreciation, it took me such a long time to actually actually let go and enjoy cunnilingus to the point of orgasm. It was actually quite recent. It could have been maybe seven years ago only, which seems very recent considering that I was already a sexpert. And the the generous or the um yeah, the guy who um gave me that experience was someone who was very famous. That's why hence the link between cunnilinguistics and dating famous people. So that was an experience that I had very late late in life. And the story today is um, a confession of that experience. I won't really reveal too much there. But going on to, let's say, dating famous people, when I was in the media or had a more kind of prolific media profile here in Spain, I did have the opportunity of um, dating f- several famous people, actually. But they were kind of, um, they weren't like reality TV famous um, or we could still kind of enjoy some level of anonymity, but it was kind of fun to go out with someone who was kind of making a career on their own art That was, and that they also could understand my situation a bit more because it's not easy to, um, to date someone when you're a sex toy reviewer or you have a room full of sex, 700 sex toys. It's not easy to, uh, to find someone who's not intimidated by those things. But, and also one thing that's very difficult about being kind of semi-recognizable is I've never felt that I could go on dating apps. I've never liked the idea of having, let's say, someone knowing if I'm within 500 meters or not. That's something that's always, always turned me off, the idea of, of, of anything like Tinder. I've never, ever done anything like that in my life. And also I used to go out to, let's say, just walk around Barcelona or go to the supermarket. And I would often get these messages from people saying, oh, I saw you here. You were here. And when I got home, like I got these messages on Twitter or Instagram and I was thinking, oh my God, people are seeing me. I don't know who they are. Sometimes people would ask me to take selfies in the supermarket, et cetera. But I think it's a little bit dangerous for people to know whether you're in 500 meters or to be, you know, dating. I just thought it was very, very off limits for me, but it wasn't a big, um, it wasn't a big sacrifice either. Cause I don't think I really wanted to be on those apps. It just made things a little bit more difficult because I also kind of gave up alcohol seven years ago as well. And, um, well around just after actually having my first cunnilingus experience. So that meant going out and kind of meeting people in a bar or club situation. That wasn't really the thing I was into. So sometimes I've gone through these very long periods of celibacy that have been quite hard to deal with or not really finding where I could meet my potential Mars or how I'm calling it now is actually the the frogs that I'm kissing as I wait for the appearance of my prince. But I have to be patient and uh, and hope that that will happen at some point. But in the meantime, I hope you enjoy the story I'm going to share with you today, which is about my very first cunnilingus orgasm. 
Now it's time for an erotic story. Fuck me, I'm famous. By Venus O'Hara. Enjoy. I can't deny that getting recognized on the streets of Barcelona on a regular basis is highly flattering for my ego. The flip side of this is that I consider dating apps to be off limits. This is because I don't want any of my followers to recognize my profile picture or to know how far away from them I happen to be at any given time. Even though I'm an influencer, I really do value my privacy. I'm not into going out either. Ever since I gave up booze, bars and drunk people kind of annoy me. Therefore, meeting a potential lover online or in person can be pretty tricky. Writing about sex all day just makes celibacy even more of a challenge. But of course, to maintain the reputation that I've worked so hard to achieve, I know that I really should have sex sometimes. At least, that's what I thought I should do a few winters ago. I decided that instead of sitting back and waiting for something to happen, I needed to devote the same time and energy to finding my next lover as I would to my work. I figured it would be an investment, given that one day I'd probably end up writing about the experience as I am today. It was a Monday afternoon, the aftermath of another lonely weekend, and I absolutely had to do something about it. I decided to try online dating on a website as opposed to on an app. This was because I didn't have to disclose my location, Facebook profile, or add a profile picture. Whereas most people exaggerate their profile descriptions on dating apps, I had to make mine seem less interesting. Well, a bit more conventional. I said I was a British actress based in Barcelona. I purposefully neglected to attach a profile picture. Despite this, within minutes, I started receiving dozens of messages from potential dates. Interestingly, the message that grabbed my attention the most was from a guy who didn't have a profile picture either. He told me that he was also a public figure. Needless to say, I was intrigued and I started asking questions in our chat. But he didn't want to chat aimlessly. He wanted to meet in person for dinner that night. All of a sudden, I was filled with nervousness and I decided to take a chance and accept. They say that you can tell in the first seven seconds if you're attracted to someone during a date. I knew the first millisecond that I wasn't attracted to him when we met outside a well-known bar in the centre of Barcelona. Although he was technically good-looking, he was quite a bit shorter than me and quite slight. I imagined what it would be like to have sex with him, and I deduced that I'd probably feel like a giantess. I felt huge next to him. That said, I was convinced that he would have some very interesting stories to tell. He was from the music industry, and he was internationally famous. Although I'd never heard of him, I was able to learn a lot about him thanks to a detailed Google search after our date. I was able to check everything he told me was true, 
as well as learn some new things about him. He hadn't heard of me either, so neither of us were starstruck. Even though I wasn't attracted to him, I accepted a second date the following night. We went to a cocktail bar. It was all pretty platonic until the conversation turned to sex and cunnilingus in particular. He expressed how much he adored going down on a woman. When he did so, he looked up at the ceiling and gave a far away dreamy look as he discussed it. He looked as though he was salivating as he was either reminiscing or fantasizing or both. To my surprise, something urgent happened between my thighs. My clitoris was silently screaming, yes, please give me some of that. And I simply could not ignore it. At that point in my life, I'd been able to enjoy orgasms with my sex toys, with a penis and with fingers. In spite of my orgasmic capabilities, I'd always struggled to reach climax through oral sex. I enjoyed it immensely, but I could never quite hit the jackpot. I was convinced that an enthusiastic and patient tongue was all I needed to get there. The next day, we met for lunch, and he invited me to his place for coffee afterwards. It was a luxury, minimalist flat, and I was hoping to fill the empty rooms with my orgasmic echoes. After a brief tour, he took me straight to the bedroom. We didn't need to waste time with small talk in the lounge. We both knew why we were there. We kissed on the bed, and within moments we were naked. My throbbing clitoris was hungry for attention, which he gladly gave. I lay back and let his head get to work between my thighs. I concentrated hard on all the triggers that normally provoke an orgasm when I use a toy. I was determined that that day would be the big day. His tongue tip started off slowly and then built up a rhythm that my whole body responded to. My breath quickened and my muscles got tense as my orgasm approached. All of a sudden, my pelvis proceeded to bounce up and down frenetically on the bed as a reaction to the intensely strong spasms that I was experiencing. I moaned scandalously with unexpected pleasure. Here I was, a sexpert, enjoying a completely new sensation. It was so intense that I feared that I might break his nose in the process. The satisfaction I felt afterwards was indescribable. I couldn't believe that I'd finally managed to enjoy an orgasm from cunnilingus. When I got my breath back, we had sex. That part was pretty much run of the mill, apart from the fact that I actually did end up feeling like a giantess next to him. He came relatively quickly, but I didn't care because I was still on a high after discovering his exceptional oral skills and my own newfound orgasmic capabilities. After we'd finished, we had some more food and he dropped me off at my place. When we said goodbye, I could still smell my sweet, intimate Venusian nectar from his lips. We kept in touch on social media, although we never met in person again. These days, we often like each other's posts on Instagram. I always smile when I see him pop up on my newsfeed, because thanks to him, I'm now able to come quite easily from Cunnilingus. 
In his photos, he's almost always surrounded by beautiful women. One might think they were there for the money, status, and free dinners. But I know he has a much more valuable asset, and I guess they do too. The book I'm reading now is Lead the Field by Earl Nightingale. This book was first published in 1966. Let me read a small extract from the blurb. This landmark book is a practical guide on how to think and act like a success. The timeless stories Nightingale uses to make his points are as profound as they are accessible. I'm actually reading this book for the second time. I first read it exactly two years ago now, well, two years ago and a couple of weeks or a few days actually, right before the pandemic. And I was enjoying the book a lot, but then all of the news that was happening and the uncertainty in the air definitely distracted me from my reading practice. So I thought I would revisit it. And also I did actually have good memories of this book. And what I particularly liked was that at the end of every chapter, there is a practical part with some questions, almost like a workbook. And I think that's really good in books. For example, sometimes we read books and then we kind of close them and put them away on our, to gather dust on our bookshelves. But it's really important to actually apply the lessons to your life, especially the ones that resonate with you. And having some exercises to do really kind of makes you understand the messages a bit more and, and learn how to apply them. I'm on chapter four at the moment. So the first four chapters that we've been, I've just absorbed them like a sponge this time. And the first one is some is one called the magic word. What is the magic word? Well, the magic word is attitude, which is according to Earl Nightingale. And it's really made me question a lot my attitude towards others. I'm going to read a small extract. Secondly, our attitude towards others determine their attitudes towards us. We're all independent. The success we achieve in life will depend largely on how well we relate to others. That's because in life, everything we achieve comes through other people. So it's really important to have a good attitude. And he gives an example as well in this chapter about a couple who were leaving a town because the wife said that she hadn't made any friends there. And then someone asked the husband, but has she made an effort? And then the husband replied, well, no, she just kind of waited in the house, waiting for people to come and say hello. Whereas the other people in the neighborhood just thought she was a recluse and she wasn't interested in meeting them. It made me think a lot about my own, how would I say, social anxiety, because I'm quite uncomfortable sometimes in group situations. And even though I host a lot of um, events, sometimes I feel I don't connect with certain people. And it's made me think, maybe it's me, maybe it's the vibes that I'm giving them. So I'm going to start being a bit more mindful about that and start making an effort. I think the best way to approach people or to make connections is definitely by asking questions um, questions that would hopefully inspire a conversation. And so I'm going to try and work on that and see how it works. And also, if, is this, there is something else that he gives an example to. For example, if you walk into a shop or you approach some people, what is their attitude towards you? Something I'm very good at is that when I go to shops or the co-workings that I frequent, when I see people react to me, it's always a smile and a kind of very positive vibe because I'm actually very polite. I like to consider myself as a very polite person. 
Um, but also I think I need to work a bit more on the, on the people who I am spending a little bit more time with. Definitely. And also, you, you, I think we all know people who have very bad attitudes or they're always complaining or they seem to attract bad luck or they always look at the, the negative side of something. I'm fortunately someone who looks at the positive in, in everything I try to, even, in, even with challenging situations, I always try to overcome them by thinking, what's the lesson I can learn here? How can I bounce back? And then the second chapter I was reading, I'm not sure if it's the second one now, but the second part I've um, underlined here is something called a worthy destination. It's interesting when we ask people what they want in life, even though people complain, etc. when you ask them what they actually do want, it's not a question that just comes automatically. For example, if you ask um, a ship captain, where's your next port of call? They know exactly where they're going. Even though they'll be at sea for several days and they don't even see the port, they know the direction they're going in. I think it's really important in life to actually know what you want and move in that direction. And um, that's something to think about. And also it tells you to list, uh, make a list of everything you want to achieve or accomplish in life and then make it, make, put them in order of priority. So that's something I'm going to be working on soon as well. And I'm going to read you another small extract from this chapter, A Worthy Destination. The best definition of success I've found goes like this. Success is the progressive realization of a worthy goal or in some cases, the pursuit of a worthy ideal. It also gives a really interesting example about how important the journey is. The journey is more important than the goal. For example, we are happier on our way out to dinner than we are on the way home. We are happier preparing to leave on vacation than we are coming home from it. And believe it or not, we are happier moving towards our goals than we are after they've been accomplished. That's why it's so important to set a new goal as soon as the current one is realized. And we should never stop in this success, in this process. All the days of our lives, we should be engaged in moving toward, earning and looking forward to a new plateau on which to stand, a new goal to accomplish. That's very good advice there. Yeah, so that's my, that's the wisdom I'm learning from this book, Lead the Field. And I'm actually, I'm, I'm having, I'm approaching the end of it already. Well, halfway through. And that's the book I'll be sharing with my book group this Saturday. And I'll definitely be going through some of those exercises to try and apply these valuable lessons to my own life. And that is Lead the Field by Earl Nightingale. Now it's time to slow things down as we prepare for this episode's guided affirmations meditation. It's probably not a good idea to listen to this while driving or operating machinery. Instead, take a break from whatever you're doing, get comfortable, take a deep breath and enjoy. I love my vulva. I accept my genitals. I enjoy oral sex. I take care of my sexual health. I can express my sexual desires with my partner. Clitoral stimulation feels good. 
accept my genitals. I am comfortable when my partner goes down on me. I can let go and enjoy the sensation of cunnilingus. I accept the appearance of my genitalia. I accept the natural pheromones of my genitalia. My vulva is beautiful. I love my vulva. I accept my genitals. I deserve to feel pleasure. I like my labia. When I look at my labia in a mirror, I like what I see. I love my vagina. My vulva is beautiful. I love my vulva. I accept my genitals. I give my genitals pleasure. I guide my partner to stimulate me. I take the time to get to know my sexual tastes. I love my clitoris. My vulva is beautiful. I love my vulva. I accept my genitals. I can express my sexual tastes. I celebrate my sexuality. I celebrate my erogenous zones. I look after my genitals. My vulva is beautiful. To find out more about me and my orgasmic lifestyle, visit venusohara.org or follow me on Instagram at instagram.com slash venusohara. Make sure to search for the Orgasmic Lifestyle Podcast by Venus O'Hara in Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Thanks for listening. Have an orgasmic week and make sure every day is a climax.